welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. Alright, why don't you stand to your feet really quickly. Um, as you said, my name's Mitch. Mitch Gray, though. Um, Michelli, if you want to be in on the joke, you feel free to call me that. It's because my family's from Italy. It's not true. But you can call me Michelli. Um, I was at the park yesterday with our two-year-old, three-year-old, three-year-old Everett, and we were walking down... We were walking down the. Um, we were in the park, and he was walking on a bunch of balance beams, and um, he he was struggling to move from beam to beam. And he said, "Dad, can you hold my hand?" And I grabbed his hand, and instantly, what was impossible for him became possible as I held his hand. And I really felt the Lord speak to me in, in that moment and said that there were people in this church walking through situations, and you're like. I can't take the next step on my own. And I felt like the Lord said that today he's going to come, he's going to grab your hand, and he is going to be your strength. And that you're really going to, in this season, understand what it is like to, to have Christ as your strength. That nothing is impossible when he is giving you strength. And so if that's you, would you just lift your hands right now? Just lift your hands. It could be a big thing. It could be something small. Just lift your hands. If you're standing next to someone with their hands raised, can you just pop your hand on their shoulder and we're going to begin to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you are here in our midst today. You can lift your voice, church. I heard you do it before, so you can lift your voice in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you would come alongside people today. You would begin to grab hands, God. You would begin to give people strength, bring balance into their lives. Lord Jesus, I thank you where um, the next step looks impossible, God. I thank you that you're coming right now, grabbing hands and you're saying, I can help you. We're going to do this together. We're going to take this step together. We're going to move forward together. And so, Lord Jesus, today we thank you that, that, that every person with their hand raised, Lord, you would reach out, you would grab a hold of their hand right now, Lord Jesus. You would grab a hold of their hand. You would become to be their strength, you'd be their support, you would be their guide, you would be the uh, give them the ability to take the next step which seems impossible on their own. And so Lord Jesus, we just thank you for that today. We thank you for you coming alongside each of us, God, giving us strength, walking us through, walking us through. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for the testimonies that are going to come out of this moment as we begin to step forward um, not in our own strength, but in the strength you give us. And so we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for that. And everybody said, Amen. 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 We can take a seat. So Simon and Christy are away again this week. They just happened to book the two times that they're going away to other churches you know, um, within um, a couple of weeks. And so You've got me again. Um, apologies to anyone new. Um, Alvin, <laughs> I was talking with a new couple today, and Alvin was like, oh, Mitch, are you preaching? And then he suggested that they went down the road to Elam. Um, 
So, but Jono did promise, Jono did promise not to um, heckle me today, so that's good. Okay. Yeah. Well, I want to I wanna preach a message today, uh, and it's called Tribulation, the Kingdom, and the Patient Endurance. And um, I'm sure that you've met some Christians, um, and they really identify with that first word, and they're like, man, everything's, everything's bad. Everything's it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And just like the world's, the world's, it's just going bad and everything's bad and I, 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 I'm expecting the worst. And I think they think that maybe the devil's omnipresent as well and he's just hiding behind every corner waiting to attack them. Um, and I, I'm not saying that, you know, this is, this is anyone in this room or any specific churches, but there are Christians that are marked by pessimism. And so if that's you today, this message will be for you, because we're going to talk about some tribulation. And then there are Christians who are like, everything is great all the time, and you're always smiling, always happy, you've never been through a trial. There are churches that are all about this, and you're like, everything is awesome, and then any time anything bad happens, you just shove it under a rug, and you go, I don't know what that was. This isn't anyone here. But if that's you today, this message is for you because we're going we're gonna to talk about the kingdom and the, the fact that the kingdom's broken through. Um, and so this, hopefully, this message will be, this will be for everyone and anyone in between. Where we're going to go today is Revelation um, chapter 1, uh, verse 9 through 20. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you grab it out? We're going to read through the whole passage together and then um, walk through it today. If if you're grabbing a phone out, I'm going to use the ESV. That's what will be on the screen because it's the single best uh, translation. I'm I'm almost ESV only at this point. It was just a wee joke. All right. Give me a wave or a thumbs up once you got your Bible out. Yep. Cool. If you, if you don't have the Bible, you can check it out on the screen as it comes up. This is what it says. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, there was one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. 
The hairs on his head were white, like, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was shining like the sun in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, for I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, those that are to take pl- the sorry, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place. Verse 20. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands of the seven churches. Why don't you close your eyes and pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you um, for every part of your word. Um, and Lord Jesus, as we, we look at the book of Revelation today, Lord, we thank you that you would speak to us. We thank you that you would help us to understand what this book is about. Lord Jesus, you would help us to decode the mysteries, Lord. Um, And God, I thank you that we would be a church not that don't just look for shallow meaning, but that dive deep into your word, that understand the deep mysteries of God, that, that, that seek out and search out the heart of God in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said... Amen. Amen. So the big issue with Revelation um, is that we often read it because we want to build a viewpoint of our eschatology. We want to know what's going to happen at the end. How, like, is this thing that's coming up, is this going to be the mark of the beast? Is this, is this specific person that I don't like who's you know potentially in Russia right now is he the antichrist you know like and we read it because this is this is this is how we read it in western church right now is we want to read the book of revelation to understand what's going to happen at the end but hb sweet he writes this in his um, 1906 commentary on revelation he says this because i think this is helpful when we understand this julian talked about this a couple of um, uh, about this time last year and i think this is so helpful to understand he say, he wrote this in in his introduction in form so in, in the the form of the book it is an epistle meaning a letter containing an apocalyptic prophecy in spirit and inner purpose, it is pastoral. So its form is a letter containing apocalyptic prophecy. So it's, it's prophetic in nature, and there's this word apocalyptic, which we'll look at shortly. But in its, in its spirit and in its inner purpose, the book of Revelation is pastoral. 
Revelation is a letter whose primary purpose is to be pastoral, is to speak to believers, specifically the believers in these seven churches, to speak to them in a pastoral way. And this makes sense when you think about it, because the guy that writes this is the same guy who wrote about himself in the Gospel of John saying, I'm the one who Jesus loved. He's the guy who wrote that he laid his head on Jesus's bosom. He's the guy that writes in, in, first, in um, first John who says, come back to your first love. This guy is obsessed with having a deep connection with Christ. And so when you read Revelation, understanding that this isn't, you know, this isn't the guy that wrote Romans, this is the guy that wrote, come back to your first love. We can understand it as, as being a letter that is calling the church back to Christ, that is calling the church into a deep connection with Jesus. And so that's going to be my primary, that's going to be my primary lens. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the stylistic stuff of apocalyptic. But more, the most important thing when you come to the book of Revelation is to understand that you should come away from it more in love with Christ than when you started. That's why it opens with this vision of Jesus in full glory. And so let's read through this together and and see if we can decode and work through some of this. So verse 9, it says this. I, John, he introduces himself. He doesn't have to use you know, two or three words to introduce himself. Everyone's like, oh, I know who John is. It's, it's the John. You know? <laughs> like, it'd, be like, it'd be like if Beyonce wrote a letter and, and she's just like, I, Beyonce, no one's like, oh, can you please say your last name? I'm not sure which one. We all know who, who we're talking about. I, John, and then he says this, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. I was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So what's happened is he's been preaching Jesus. He's been telling people. He's been spreading the gospel. And he's found himself exiled to an island. And he's, he's experiencing persecution on account of, his, of the testimony of Jesus and the word of God that he's been preaching. And he says this, verse 10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. He says he's, he, he was in the spirit. Um, and I would encourage you that it's great to be in the word. It's great to be a Christian who regularly comes to scripture and, and you're in the word. But I think we also need to be believers who spend time in the spirit. See, I, I don't think that this is something that's exclusive for John and it, it, writing scripture is. We don't get to do that. But being people who are in the spirit, who spend time that, because the reality is, you know, the Holy Spirit lives in us. And so you could go fundamental and be like, well, you know, the spirit's in me. So I don't, I don't need to get in the spirit. That's, that's impossible. But 
It's like when you, when you think about it and you experience it and you, and you spend time with the Holy Spirit that is deeper than what you normally experience, and you go, well, I, I was in the Spirit here. I, I was still filled over here when I was working, but I went home and I spent time in prayer and worship and in fellowship with the Lord. And that was different, a different experience because he spoke to me in a different way. And, 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 and he spoke to me on a deeper level and I was more conscious of what he was doing. And so we need to be people who are in the spirit it's great to be in the word but let's be people in the spirit as well and he says he was doing this on the lord's day and the lord's day is what they would refer that's what they referred to as sunday this is the reason that christians moved um, from meeting on saturdays to meeting on sundays um, is because it from the earliest sources, the belief was, and I mean, this guy was there, so we can assume that he knew that it was on a Sunday that Christ rose from the dead. And so they would celebrate the resurrection of Christ because that's what this whole thing is, this whole church thing is centered on. It's, it's centered on the resurrection of Christ. And, and that's where we find power. That's where we find hope. That's where we find our purpose is in his resurrection. And so the church moved from meeting on a, from the Sabbath being on, on the Saturday and gathering at the temple on Saturday to moving, they moved it to a Sunday to remind themselves every week that of Christ's resurrection, that he didn't stay dead, that he didn't die and was buried and stayed dead, but that he rose from the grave, he came back to life. And so that's why we meet on Sundays. This is every time you show up to church, which I think should be every week. I don't think you, you, know, you should be a once a month Christian. But every week when you turn up to church, it's, it should be a reminder to you of his resurrection. That he's not dead, but he came back to life. And so he says, I, he was in the spirit on the Lord's day and he heard behind him a voice like a loud trumpet. Now, this language here shows us that he's, he's, about to, he's about to write, he's about to receive something like an Old Testament prophet. The, the, the language here is pointing back to Daniel and Ezekiel. I don't, I, we don't have time to work through where, but he's, it's pointing back to Daniel and Ezekiel. If you want to do deeper study, I would recommend getting um, G.K. Beale's shorter, a shorter commentary on um, Revelation. It's fantastic. Um, and he's, he's showing I'm, what I'm about to do is in the same vein as the Old Testament prophets. And, he, and the voice he hears says this, verse 11, Write down what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira. Um, I had to figure out how to say that one because it, it, it didn't make sense in my brain. Now I've got the little like, hyphens next to it so I had to say it right. Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. So John is writing this letter. So we've got John the Apostle, John the Beloved. He's writing this letter to seven churches. Now, he could have written it to six churches. He could have written it to eight churches. But he writes it to seven all of these churches are in um, Asia Minor, which is kind of like Turkey area. 
now back in the Roman Empire. And um, I think as we read this book, it's helpful to understand the kind of literature we're reading. Um, I love, I've been listening to, um, there's a church um, called, uh, called Glad Tidings, and I've been listening to, they have Sunday night classes, and the first class, um, series of classes was Understanding Scripture. And one of the things their pastor said, who's teaching the classes, that we, wanna re- we don't want to read Scripture literally, but we want to read it literarily. Literarily, literarily, I added too many L's the first time. Um, but we actually want to go. What's the style of writing, and then help let that help us to understand how, whether it's being poetic or literal or it's historical or whatever. And so, Revelation is um, is written in an apocalyptic style, and this was really popular for about four hundred years, two hundred before Christ, two hundred after. And there's a couple of really key, um, and what it would do is it would use highly symbolic, highly like um, over the top uh, pictures and language and images and symbols to communicate things that were true. Um, that's probably the simplest way. And this was like a super popular style of writing because remember that they, these guys didn't have TVs and stuff. And so like they couldn't just watch the latest like kind of like suspense thriller. And so they wrote um, stories about dragons biting people's heads off and stuff like that because it was, it was interesting. You know, like if you didn't have whatever your favorite TV show is, you'd be like, I want something interesting in my books. But one of the key things about apocalyptic literature is that it uses numbers to represent things. And so a couple of the key numbers that you'll see throughout scripture, the number 12 is repeated a lot. Um, the number 12 is either, often either represents the church because um, the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples, or it represents um, Israel, which is the 12 tribes. Um, yeah, or 12 tribes of Israel. Then um, the number six is used. You could probably think about where the number six shows up in Revelation. It's like the only part of Revelation people who don't care about the book have read, you know. Um, and six is the number of man or the number of incom- something being incomplete or, or against God. Um, number seven features a lot. Uh, the number of seven is the number of completion, the number of wholeness. Um, going back to the seven days of creation. Um, and another number is the number four. The number four always represents the earth. Um, in the Garden of Eden, there were four rivers. Um, Revelation often refers to the four corners of the earth. Obviously, we know now that there aren't four corners, but it just means all of the earth. And so the number four, or something in multiples of four, leads us to think, oh, this is, this is 
the whole earth. This is covering the whole earth. The number seven makes us go, okay, this is the whole of something. It's the complete. The number six goes, okay, this is something that isn't complete. It's against God. It's, it's, it's coming from the flesh, not from the spirit. This is what G.K. Beale writes. Why John, and this is, where, this is why he, I believe, and um, pretty much everyone believes, I've got basically all of scholarship on my side with this, so that's good. He says this, why John um, was commissioned to send his prophecy to these seven churches, we do not know, other than they may, they may, other than that they may have been the leading churches of the region. But it is apparent that the biblical significance of the number seven indicates that these churches stand for all churches, both then and now. So we see this picture where John is writing, he's writing this book to seven specific real churches. But because of the style that we're reading, we're reading, we go, okay, he's used the number seven. What does that mean as we interpret it? It means he's speaking not just to those churches, but to every church in every age and every season in every area of the church age. And so we're living in the church age. And so this book, using this interpretation, is speaking to us. This book, this, this book that we often just go, people either put it in the category of it's all for the future, I don't need to worry about it, or it was all in the past and it doesn't matter to me anymore. He's saying this book is written to the church. And so all of a sudden, we've taken ourselves into the point of being ones who are receiving this book. We are now the recipients of the book of Revelation. Isn't that fun? And John uses three words to describe the church age. He uses three words. He says, hey guys, my name's John and I'm your partner. We're in this together. We're all in this together. You know, if he he was now, he would have quoted High School Musical. We're, we're, We're in this together. And he says this, hey, this is what the church age is, is like. It's marked by three things. The tribulation, woohoo! Anyone excited about that? He says, he uses three words, the tribulation. He says there will be trials and testing and all the pessimistic Christians are happy because they're like, yeah, it's happening. We, this is what we're excited about. I don't know why, but this is what we love. We love it when nations go to war and stuff because the end might come. But he says, hey, look, guys, we, we still live in a fallen, broken world. There is still persecution. We still live in a world with the effects of sin. There is going to be tribulation of many kinds. It's not just the, when there's systematic oppression on Christians from above, but it is that we live in a fallen, broken world. But he says, hey, it's not, it's not all bad because it's not just the tribulation. It's also the kingdom. He's also our partner in the kingdom. And that's because the kingdom is broken in. The kingdom of God 
has broken into this sinful, broken planet that is in need of restoration. And, it is, and God has begun his work in restoring all things. And so he says, yeah, okay, it's going to be hard. There's going to be trials. There's gonna, things aren't going to always go to plan. But the kingdom of God has broken in. We're going to see signs and wonders and miracles and people are going to be saved. People are going to be set free. God is going to be on the move. There will be revival. People will come back to the Lord. People will will have their hearts changed. Addiction will be broken. People will be set free in Jesus' name. And all of the happy Christians go, woohoo. But he says, but there's still going to be issues. We're still going to, we're still in a fallen, broken world. And all the while, we are going to patiently endure staying faithful to Christ. I believe this is the the main call of the book of Revelation is to call the church of all ages from the moment um, the, the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost to the moment Christ returns, the church of all ages to stay faithful in between because we're believing for the kingdom and we're saying God we 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 declare healings and miracles we thank you for your presence we we're, we're praying for people's salvation but we occasionally we we find ourselves fighting up against the the sinful broken nature of this world and Christ is saying stay faithful Stay faithful. Don't turn your eyes from me. Stay faithful. When trials and persecution come, stay faithful. Uh, and we're going to patiently endure. We're going to keep going. We're going we're gonna to stay faithful. And so he, he uses these three words, these three things to mark the church age. The tribulation, the kingdom, and the patient endurance. And so is there, there is this call from John to stay faithful. Verse 12, Then I turned and to see a voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And the mid, in the midst of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man clothed with a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs on his head were white, like white wool and like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like um, the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was shining in full strength. Now, if we were working our way through this and we, we read that and we were like in the midst of serious persecution, like many of our brothers and sisters in the faith are right now, we could read that opening statement and hear that we are in the times of tribulation and patiently enduring believing that the kingdom will break through. But when pressure is on all sides, it would be easy to read that opening statement and then say, okay, well, where is Jesus? And immediately we see where is Christ? He is in glory in heaven. And we're like, well, that's not helpful. You know, like, like, but the world's hard, Jesus. I, we actually need your help. Like, could you help me a little? My family is facing something. Jesus, where are you? 
God, if you're really good, why is this sickness? These are the questions that that honestly can take believers out. I bet if I asked who knows someone who was once a believer who came into a trial or a temptation and, and they said, well, if God's good, this couldn't have happened and so I'm just giving up. I bet if I said who, who knows someone like that, everybody would, would raise their hands. This is the, the number one issue that non-believers have with our faith. Is they go, well, if God's so good, if Jesus is so glorified, if he's got a big sword coming out of his mouth, why doesn't he help you? What's he, what's he doing? He's just up there in heaven. And it's easy when, when the kingdom's breaking in, when we see the miracle, when we see the breakthrough, when we experience the financial blessing, it's easy then to say, oh, okay, Jesus, I can see what you're doing. I can see what, how you're helping me. But when we walk through trials and temptations of many kinds, it's easy to look upward and say, Jesus, where are you? Jesus, where are you? Can I speak to that in this room today? If you're honest with yourself, I believe there's probably many people here who, have, who are wondering that very question. Jesus, where are you? I'm walking through this trial. Where are you? I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. Where are you? As for the mystery, verse, oh, sorry, verse 17, then I saw him. I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, for I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death in Hades. Then he says this, Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place. So again we see he, he's telling him to write everything down and send it to who? To the seven churches, to every church in every age. I want them to see this. I want the church in 2023 in New Zealand to see this. I want, I want the church in every age to see what I'm about to show you. And then he says this, verse 20. Jesus interprets two of the images that had been seen. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands 
are the seven churches. See, in the middle of the tribulation, the kingdom, and the patient endurance, where we are, where we are being trying to, we're trying to be faithful and go, God, I believe for a miracle in every season because we know that the kingdom's broken in, and I'm gonna, and I'm praying in faith because I know that you have the the at the cross you finished it, and so in every situation I'm praying, we're praying, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're not we're not changing what we believe. We're not going well. Jesus heals some people and He doesn't heal others. But we're going, we're believing that in every situation it would be on earth as it is in heaven, that there would be no brokenness, no sickness. But we're fighting this thing because we're still in a fallen, broken world and we're, we're toy, we've got these two competing things, and all the while we're trying to stay faithful. But Jesus, where are you? He says, This I am walking amongst the lampstands. See, Jesus is not glorified sitting on a throne in heaven, watching, waiting for the moment he returns, but he is ever present walking amongst the churches. When he sees the vision of the Son of Man, he is not seated on a throne, but he is standing in the midst of the seven churches, the seven golden lampstands. And Jesus is standing in the middle, in the midst of the church from Pentecost till the moment he returns. When the church gathers, Christ is in their midst. And so you say, where is Jesus as we face trials, as we face temptation, as we see the kingdom come through, he is ever present with his church. He is ever present. This is what I really just wanted to encourage you with today. Christ is ever present. He is close. He is walking among the lampstands. He, he's not distant. He's not, he's not far, but he is close. He is close. He is speaking to you today. But we see that in his right hand, there are seven stars. Now the seven stars, he then says, are the seven angels of the seven churches. Now, if we put the same interpretive principle onto that passage onto that vision as we did with the churches the seven stars now represent not just seven angels but the entire angelic realm the entire supernatural realm and so our expectation as believers is throughout the church age Christ would be walking among the church and he would be using the angelic supernatural realm in the church to ha- to, so that his will could be done. And so there is this expectation that we should have that as we gather, it's not just us gathering and going, man, we're singing some songs. 
but we are joining with the host of heaven. We're joining with the supernatural realm who are going to be in our midst, bringing miracles, healings, restoring people, bringing freedom. And it's not just like he's like, I've got a few, you know, like I've got a couple of, of angels to help me out. But Jesus is throughout the entire church age administering his will through the supernatural realm. Now, that doesn't mean that every time we gather, we're going to see angels standing and stuff like that. But it means that our expectation is that supernatural miracles and moments and healings and breakthrough would happen as the church gathers. And so where is Jesus in this age of tension we live in, where the kingdom has come, but it's still coming, where heaven has broken through into this earth, but we are still waiting for it to be fully restored. He is ever present. He is ever present with us. And he is administering his will. He is extending his kingdom through the supernatural realm. He is, he's, he's saying, guys, when you gather, when you gather, I'm here and I'm bringing my friends with me and we're going to do some work. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna change lives. We're going to see people saved. We're going to see people set free. And so why don't you stand to your feet? I want to just pray together as we, as we close. We live in the church age. The church age is marked by the fact that the kingdom has broken in. But we patiently endure because although the kingdom has broken in, we still live in a fallen, broken world that is crying out for redemption. But over all of this, why don't you lift your hands? Why don't you lift your hands to Jesus right now? Over all. All of this, Jesus is glorified with eyes like fire, with a sword in his mouth. And he is walking among the lampstands. He is walking in the midst of the church. He is ever present. And he is administrating his kingdom. And so, Lord Jesus, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this pastoral book. Lord Jesus, we thank you that that this book is written not to scare us, not to frighten us, but to encourage us in the faith That this book is written to remind us that you are faithful and that we can endure. That you are faithful and we can endure. We can be faithful to Christ in the midst of everything. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you are ever present. We thank you that you are not distant, but you are walking among the churches. In every age, Lord Jesus, over the churches in Whangarei today, we thank you that you are walking in their midst. 
God, over every church in this city today, God, we thank you that Jesus, you are present. You are not far. You are present. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are administrating your will through the supernatural realm today, God. We thank you for healing and miracles and signs and wonders that the kingdom would break in, that the kingdom would not be far, but it would break in in Jesus' name. It would break in in Jesus' name. Hey, if you need a miracle today, why don't you lift your hands? We're going to just pray, um, whether it's in any area, whether it's a healing or something. And let's just begin to pray and believe that the kingdom would break in today. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the kingdom breaking in. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are present with the church. You are present with the church. And today, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your kingdom breaking in, that it would be done on earth as it is in heaven, not by anything we'd try and muster up, not by anything we'd try and push hard and push and push and push and work up our faith, but because you are present, Lord Jesus, we thank you that miracles would happen. I thank you that people would be set free. I just, I want to speak to addiction today, whether it's um, a, a substance abuse or maybe even people struggling with pornography today. In Jesus' name, we declare that the kingdom would break in, that people would find freedom today in Jesus' name. I want to speak to fear right now. There, I believe that the Lord is, is bringing boldness to people who are in fear, people who are um, in fear of many things. Maybe you're still still in fear after the last two years of being told you're going to die at every turn. And today the Lord is bringing boldness back to your life, that you're bring, He's bringing boldness back. And we just speak to fear in, in this place today. And we thank you that it would leave in Jesus' name. We rebuke it right now in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, come have your way. Come have your way. Come have your way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.